Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, the Waste Management Authority owes the Public Service Commission $1.4 million. The Army Corps of Engineers creates a task force dedicated solely to the recovery projects for the U.S. Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico. Firefighters respond to a structural fire on the island of St. Thomas. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. The growing track record of financial issues related to the Waste Management Authority were again reported to lawmakers during testimony by Public Service Commission's Executive Director, Sandra Satori. Because the commission has been judicious in its spending, it has accrued a reserve balance. That balance assisted the commission in making it through the COVID years without any additional support. However, the non-payment of assessments by the Waste Management Authority now imperils the Commission's operations. As a result, Waste Management now has an outstanding balance in excess of $1.4 million. In her testimony, Ms. Satori revealed that since the first quarter of fiscal year 2021, the Waste Management Authority has made no payment on its annual assessment to the Public Service Commission. Senator Alma Francis Halliger wanted to know what the commission's plan was to deal with the non-payment. First of all, what happens if uh, waste management does not pay its assessment? It reduces the capacity and capability for the Public Services Commission to function and operate. Mm -hmm. That operation um, is, is not just born on the Waste Management Authority alone. It impacts um, the regulatory um, impact that we have on all of the utilities mm -hmm. uh, because um, we, the Public Services Commission rely on each utility being able to pay its assessment for operations. The payments, she testified, are core to the operating expenses of the commission. It does not just impact the capacity for the PSC necessarily to regulate the Waste Management Authority alone, which we, which we still have. Uh -huh. a mandate to complete under the statute and which we will carry out. But you can't do it as effectively if we you're not getting the finances in. We can't do it as effectively. We can't regulate the Waste Management Authority as effectively, but we also can't manage any of the other utilities wow. as, if, as effectively that, as we a, should as well. That's a serious issue. The PSC's general counsel, Boyd Spurn, also made note of further non-payment by the Waste Management Authority. I'm aware that the Water and Power Authority also has not been paid for more than, well, for nearly three years by waste management. So there's another $6 million owed to the Water and Power Authority, which could clearly be used for the improvements we've talked about that are necessary activities at the Water and Power Authority and for their overdue vendors. There was no clear answer, though, on the possible repercussions the Waste Management Authority could face. In what seems to have been a full week for Governor Albert Bryan Jr. after delivering his State of the Territory address, he, alongside with White House officials, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers leadership and Puerto Rico resident Commissioner Jennifer Gonzalez-Colón, 
gathered for the official commissioning of the first ever U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Task Force for the Caribbean region. Communications Director Richard Moda says that Task Force VIPR was created to organize and prioritize construction projects more efficiently in the territories. Prior to the creation of this task force, the the Jacksonville, the, the office in Jacksonville was responsible for the region. And so obviously there are other um, entities in the region other than the U.S. Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico. Um, given the fact that you know, since the storms and, and, and you know, we face the threat of, of other, um, you know, every, t- every time there's a hurricane season, there's a threat that we may have a uh, storm. And, and um, you know, Puerto Rico had the earthquakes. Um, there's, a, there's a growing um, number of uh, critical infrastructure and mitigation projects that uh, need to move forward and move forward in an expedited manner in the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico. And so this is Army Corps of Engineers' way and effort to um, help streamline those and, and bring those projects online um, a lot quicker by having a, 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 lo- a local office um, located in Puerto Rico just designated for the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico's projects. Mr. Moda gave a bit more insight into the new Rebuild USVI initiative headed by the Office of Disaster Recovery. We are trying to double the, the, the spend on recovery projects. You know, currently we're doing about $500 million a year, which is, which, is, which is awesome, monumental. But um, like the governor mentioned in the state of the territory, it's just, just not enough. Um, at that pace, we, you know, we, we're looking at an 18 to 20 year recovery. Um, and so the, the goal is to double that, um, to get a billion of in recovery projects out each year. And in order to achieve that, you know, we need more capacity. So larger contractors, contractors with more manpower, um, obviously greater bonding capacity, um, that sort of stuff. And then, you know, the other, the other thing about the, um, rebuild USVI plan is, some of those really large um, recovery projects that still remain, like the schools, like the hospitals, they're going to cluster them. He spoke on whether there would be any overlaps between Task Force VIPR and Rebuild USVI. There are some recovery projects that are tied to, you know, that have, that the Army Corps of Engineers play a role in. Um, So, you know, anything that has anything to do with flood mitigation, um, those types of things. Um, there's some projects that, that do overlap. And so for those projects, there will be um, a coordinated effort. But the Rebuild USVI effort and the, the clusters is, is more of a separate um, thing. Late yesterday afternoon, crew from the Omar Brown Fire Station in town on St. Thomas, with support from the Emil Berry Fire Station in Northside, were dispatched to a structural fire. Jonelle Alexis Jackson, the Fire and Emergency Medical Service Public Information Officer, has the details. On Thursday, January 25th at 5.45 p.m., the Virgin Islands Fire and Emergency Medical Services responded promptly to a house fire in Altona and Wellgunst on St. Thomas. This critical response involved the quick and coordinated efforts of Hotel Company with essential support from Tango and Lima Company. Due to the exceptional teamwork of our firefighters, the blaze was contained within 15 minutes of arrival and relieved to report that there were no injuries during this incident. The Prevention and Investigation Unit is diligently working to determine the root cause of the fire and extend our heartfelt appreciation 
to the local community for their support during this critical period. Prevention and preparedness are key to safeguarding our homes and workplaces. Take a moment to inspect and ensure the proper functioning of your smoke detectors. Review and practice your family's evacuation plan and confirm that your emergency supplies and essential documents are secure, up-to-date, and readily accessible. For more comprehensive information and practical safety recommendations, please contact our Public Information Office at 340-227-5006. A reminder that the American Red Cross is hosting their Sound the Alarm Home Fire Safety event on St. Croix and St. Thomas tomorrow. Residents will be able to have free smoke alarms installed in their homes. Residents in the Camperico and Estate Wim neighborhoods on St. Croix can go to the Island Baptist Church located beside Good Hope Townhouses from 8.30 to 2 p.m. And on St. Thomas, residents living in the Smith Bay neighborhood can go to the Last Lap Bar and Grill located by the ballpark and basketball court from 8.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. When the European Union's updated its list of non-cooperative jurisdictions for tax purposes, the U.S. Virgin Islands remained on that list. Delegate to Congress Stacey Plaskett spoke on the impact it has on the territory. We believe that that uh, has an impact on um, insurance, um, taxes in some other areas for some of our companies that are in the Virgin Islands. And there are conversations that go on in Washington with regard to that. Secretary of Treasury has requested that the Virgin Islands be taken off. Um, the Treasury Department has issued um, letters to the EU stating that they believe it's unfair. But of course, we do not have control over the EU and what they do. Um, we have the full support of the federal government that this is an unfair, in some ways, we believe retribution um, to the United States because of requests that we are making for, um, you know, international tax laws. The delegate says conversations for the territory's removal is ongoing. As a member, having been on Ways and Means, we, uh, when the Secretary of Treasury comes to the Ways and Means Committee, she is always questioned about this, or her deputies, we question them and remind them, and they have been supportive of us in that removal. You are listening to the WTJX Newsfeed. The Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority has come under criticism once again, but this time for a sarcastic comment made in the comment section of WAPA's official Facebook page. The remark was made under a post regarding a planned eight-hour power outage that had been scheduled for tomorrow on St. John. St. John resident and WAPA customer Karen Hauer commented 9B or 9E. These feeders are 7E and 9E, and your email says 9E. WAPA's post, however, indicated the outage was to be on feeder 9B, with Karen ending her comment stating, you can't even put out a correct press release. In response to Karen's comment, the official WAPA Facebook page replied, well, aren't you living up to your name? Yes, it's 9E. The reply referenced the growing colloquial term of calling someone, usually a white woman, a Karen, which Wikipedia defines as a middle-class white woman who is perceived as entitled or demanding beyond the scope of what's normal. The comment was later deleted, and in a statement to the newsfeed, Director of Communications Chanel Peterson stated that we acknowledge the mistake on our Facebook platform. 
Hence, the original comment was deleted for any offense it may have caused. We are committed to fostering a respectful online community. In a statement printed in the Daily News in response to WAPA, Ms. Howard stated that her only comment is that she wished the Water and Power Authority would put as much effort into stabilizing and modernizing our power grid as they seem to be putting into their recent childish Facebook posts. During the State of the Territory address, Governor Albert Bryan Jr. spoke on a wealth of subjects, one of those being horse racing in the territory. Southland Gaming has honored its commitments and fulfilled its obligation. I will be giving out the Governor's Cup at Carnival Races this year. In preparation for the Carnival Races, Southland Gaming Director of Public Relations Jason Charles says Southland is committed to the U.S. Virgin Islands and ensuring the culture of horse racing in the territory. For the last seven years, we have not been able to have horse racing. Um, so... We really wanted to be able to ensure that the horsemen are getting prepared and as a small token of our appreciation to um, to this cause, the commitment of bringing back this race truck and, and really to the holiday seasons, we wanted to have the, the horsemen know that we care about them, that we wanted to make sure that these, these horses are viable and that we can be able to help subsidize the cost of a resource. And... Um, for all horses that are, um, like, I guess, the race horses, they will get a subsidy of $1,000. And for all what you call um, pony horses or non-thoroughbreds, you know, which are like piece of horses, we're also giving a subsidy of $550 to those, um, those horses as well. We want to bring back something that has been missing, something that people have, 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 have thought about and have dreamed about for a while. Um, and this is horse racing, the sport of kings. The grandstands at the Clinton Fapes racetrack have been fully completed in October of last year, and work is ongoing. Work, however, to the Randall Doc James racetrack on St. Croix has, however, stalled, and the governor called out VIGL, who's responsible for the rebuild. Although construction, I saw a crane out there moving around, has just begun, VIGS simply has not made the necessary progress to return horse racing to the Big Island. Now, my administration has taken every step necessary to bring relief to our horsemen and racing fans. We even went as far as giving and granting $5 million to VIGL towards the completion of the track. We have approved the necessary building permits and leases. We have given concession after concession, but yet no substantial signs of progress. I am publicly urging VIGL to make good on their commitment to this government. There's simply no more concessions that can be granted. In a recent update, the Department of Planning and Natural Resources Coastal Zone Management Commission was supposed to hold a meeting yesterday at 5.30 to discuss the demolition and new construction of the St. Croix Central High School. The meeting, however, did not occur, and the department announced earlier today that it's been rescheduled to Wednesday, January 31st at 5.30. It will be held via Microsoft Teams, and meeting credentials can be found on the department's Facebook page. The Virgin Islands Department of Human Services Head Start program is looking for parents and guardians to join their Head Start Policy Council. We spoke with Territorial Administrator for the Office of the Head Start program, Masikia Lewis, about the Policy Council. 
for parents who are actually enrolled in Head, in the Head Start program, and we want to encourage them to serve on our Head Start Policy Council. Um, they will act as a voice for parents at the council meetings, and they will learn about the policies and procedures that must be implemented to operate a successful Head Start program. They will work in conjunction with our governing board as well as our management team, and they will work on the different policies and different procedures that will allow us to design, plan, monitor, and have oversight, which will lead to like positive outcomes for children and families within um, the territory. The only qualification, she says, is to have your child presently enrolled in the Head Start program. We're looking for five persons on St. Croix and five persons on St. Thomas. They can call directly to the office, which is at 774-0930, extension 4201, or they can um, make a direct contact to their um, teachers. That's one of the easiest ways to do so. They can let their teachers know that they are interested in becoming a policy council, and then teachers make contact with the office, and we can go from there. The Department of Human Services Office of Child Care and Regulatory Services recently made available quality improvement mini-grants for all licensed and child care providers. The grants are aimed at enhancing the overall quality of child care services and facilities. Licensed child care providers can apply for these grants to procure outdoor play equipment, supplemental energy sources, health and safety, and education and training. Grant applications can be accessed through the VI Department of Human Services website at dhs.gov.vi on the Office of Child Care and Regulatory Services page. Alternately, hard copies of the applications are available at the Office of Child Care and Regulatory Service locations at the Newt Hansen Complex on St. Thomas and at number 129 Golden Rock on St. Croix. Applicants needing guidance or support can call the offices at 340-772-7147 on St. Croix or 340-774-0930 extension 4180 or 4184 in the St. Thomas St. John District. The Megan's Bay Authority is hosting a public meeting tomorrow, Saturday, January 27th at 9 a.m. at Shed 2 on Megan's Bay. The meeting will provide updates on the latest developments regarding the Megan's Bay Park and the Smith Bay Beach Park, as well as gather any community feedback on upcoming initiative. For inquiries or additional details, email info at meganesbayauthority.org. The Virgin Islands Youth Ensemble, which is aimed at nurturing young musicians within the Virgin Islands community, is hosting open auditions for junior and high school students this Saturday, January 27th, and also on Sunday, February 4th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. in the Music Building at the University of the Virgin Islands St. Thomas Campus. The Virgin Islands Youth Ensemble was developed by the United Jazz Foundation under Grammy Award winner Dion Parsons. We spoke with Nicole Parsons, one of the co-founders of the United Jazz Foundation. Students can walk in that are interested, of course. They can walk in from 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. at the same location, the UVI Music Building, St. Thomas Campus. And for St. Croix students, they can call um, the number 646-725-335. To set up a Zoom audition. Students will play for three judges and will then be placed into respective groups. We have three levels. We have beginners, 
We have intermediate and advanced students. So the addition is really to see where a student will fit best. Ms. Parsons says there is no fee to be a part of the ensemble. The VI Youth Ensemble is in existence since 2013, and even um, a lot of our students are now actually educators in the public school system, which we're really proud of. Um, we have the privilege of from the beginning that it is a supported program uh, by the community. So there are no costs involved. And this season, so the class of 224 that we're building is uh, supported by um, the office of Senator Donald Fred Gregory, Banco Popular, CFI, the Westchester with Karma Foundation and Bulongo Bay Beach Resort. Um, and they make it possible that we can do this for free. As we continue on the news feed, we're turning now to our regional report. Today, Kenya's high court blocked the UN-backed deployment of Kenyan police officers to Haiti to help the island bring gang violence under control. Judge Chacha Miwati said Kenya's National Security Council, which is led by the president, does not have the authority to deploy regular police outside of the country. Kenya's parliament passed a motion in November allowing the deployment of 1,000 officers to lead what was to be a multinational force in Haiti. The judge said Kenya's offer was noble but needed to be carried out in accordance with the constitution. Kenya's government spokesperson Isaac Muwara said it will appeal the decision. The decision was considered by many to be a blow to Haiti, which first requested the immediate deployment of a foreign armed force in October of 2022. This is terrible news for Haitians, said Diego Darin of the International Crisis Group. He continued that the vast majority of the population were waiting for external help to assist the police regain some control of the capital and areas most affected by violence. Mercy Corps' country director for Haiti, however, Laurent Uromuremi, supported the High Court's decision, saying that the previous international peacekeeping missions, such as the UN mission Minusta that was deployed there from 2004 to 2017, and international interventions have had disastrous consequences for Haiti. Kenyan authorities told the Associated Press last month that the first group of about 300 officers were expected to arrive in Haiti by February. Burundi, Chad, Senegal, Jamaica, and Belize have all pledged troops for the mission. This weekend may not be the best beach day weekend, as scattered showers and high winds are expected to continue. We're turning now to our meteorologist for the territory's weather forecast. Here's the latest look at the short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We'll find mostly sunny skies this afternoon. There is the chance for a shower at sunset. Highs will hold in the middle 80s at St. Croix. Winds are stronger from the east at 20 to 25 with gusts close to 30. At St. Thomas and St. John, highs a bit cooler, only in the middle 80s. Winds, though, remain stronger from the east, up to 25 miles per hour, gusts close to 30. Tonight, scattered showers are possible mainly early. Otherwise, it's partly cloudy. Lows fall back into the low 70s at St. Croix. Winds from the east at 15 to 20, with gusts to 25. At St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find lows in the middle 70s. Winds from the east at 20 to 25, with gusts also close to 30. And 
Saturday features mostly cloudy skies with scattered showers area-wide. Highs will reach the middle 80s at St. Croix. Winds a bit weaker from the east at 15 to 20 miles per hour. And at St. Thomas and St. John, highs are similar in the middle 80s. Winds from the east a bit lighter at 15 to 20 with gusts between 25 and 30. That's the latest look at the short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX newsfeed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. And if you haven't already, be sure to download the WTJX app. If you missed a part of our news, you can listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.